This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Hi there, it's Dr. Judith Bryles. And this is the number three downloaded episode that we had this past year, and it also was with a new guest and a new topic. The topic, how to protect authors from fraud. Hey, did you know that a nosy author is kryptonite to a book thief? You should. Joining me in this episode is Cheryl Obermiller, author of Fraud Points, And it was an eye and ear opening podcast. Some of the takeaways included why authors must think like a thief does, steps to take when piracy occurs, how to follow your book title online, four things to do every day to protect you and your book, what's copyright infringement, tips for authors to take immediately when piracy occurs, and what to do with Amazon if your book is. Stolen by pirates and thieves. And lastly, why and how to register with the U.S. Copyright Office. All this and, of course, much, much more. Listen in, tune in, get out your paper and pencil. There's a lot of notes to take. Well, happy day to all of you, and welcome back to a new edition of the Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing podcast and as always when we um we do the show sometimes i do them solo um and sometimes i have awesome guests and today we have someone that that you as my listeners haven't heard before but she will be a must-have person to end her book uh, to add to your uh resources that you can't do without And through this, we will both be selling these ahas, these insights, um, and hot tips to enhance and support you and your book publishing journey. So as a reminder, if you're on Twitter, do connect with me on at MyBookShepherd. And if on Facebook, why not join my book publishing group to share any news, ask questions, anything along along that line. Now, when I start each show, I always like to share a quote from my one of my latest books. All my publishing books are new uh, this year from how to avoid book publishing blunders to how to create a million dollar speech to how to create crowdfunding success. And the one I love, Snappy Sassy Salty uh, Success and literally wise words for authors. So one of my tips today is for the fiction or just writers in general. So let me just say this from from the Snappy Sassy Salty Success book. Writers should start on their books before they are ready. Otherwise, they can spend the time getting ready in perpetuity. In other words, 
get going, start writing, fumble along, make mistakes. You will learn and you will get better. And as you keep writing, you write better and faster. Um, that is a guarantee from my 40 years in this area. With me today is um, a good friend, an uh, author I've had the pleasure to have work and help bring her book alive, now an international best-selling book, and it's called Fraud Points. And Fraud Points is something that we all know, know about, and, and you're thinking, wait a minute, what do you mean we all know about Fraud Points? Well, if you've ever been duped, scammed, conned in any way, taken advantage of, you've had some kind of a fraud come into play. And what Cheryl Obermiller has done is put it all together. She'll give us a little quick story of how she stumbled on uh, fraud in, in general. She didn't wake up one morning and say, mm, mm, I think I'll go test out a fraud. No, what she did is she experienced a fraud that cost her in excess of a million dollars. So I think the subtitle on the book um, I've always felt was a hoot, The Small Business Owner's Guide to Outwitting Embezzlers, Thieves, and Scallywags. There are lots of embezzlers, thieves, and scallywags that have entered the self-publishing arena and the publishing area. So we're going to kiss on those, but Cheryl's going to kind of create a plan for you to protect yourself, your intellectual property, and your livelihood. And with that, welcome to the show, Cheryl. Hi, Judith. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being able to get the word out to everyone. Well, and I know that you and I kind of bonded as fellow fraud survivors. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we actually bonded on the magic number of a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I feel like Steve Jobs once said, um, he said, I'm the only person I know who's lost a quarter of a billion dollars in one year. It's very humbling. You know, most people, you say, well, yeah, I, I probably lost a million dollars, and they just look at you like, well, you mean like you lost it under the couch or something? How, how do you do that? It's inconceivable. It, it is inconceivable, and yet you and I both know in small businesses, half of them have had fraud. And it's usually at least. at least and it's usually created internally. So and, and as you listen, you're thinking, wait a minute, you're talking business business. You as an author, dear listeners, are in business. And this is what you need to be aware of. Fraud is everywhere. So we're going to give you red flags. We're going to give you a variety of things to help prevent you from doing what Cheryl and I did, not enthusiastically. <clears throat> is lose a million dollars. Got it? So let's start out. Cheryl, how did you get interested in fraud besides losing a million dollars? <laughs> well, um, I own, I, I am the owner and founder of Obermiller Construction, which is a heavy construction company operating throughout the Midwest. And my company um, rebuilds and repairs asphalt, um, asphalt and concrete commercial paving. And, um, I was just busy paving the Midwest here, and uh, and I've and I've been in business almost thirty years now. Right, in just the next few months, we'll be hitting thirty years. And you know, I was, I was pretty good at setting up a business, unlike most small business owners 
including authors who are very much, um, keep in mind that you are a business person whose business is writing. Uh, you know, never let yourself think that, no, 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 I'm a writer. I, I, I'm not a business person. You are a business person whose product is your what you write. So, you know, that's the first thing that you need to be aware of is you have to treat it like a business. Um, but again, like most small business owners, I loved the thing. I loved doing the thing. I know it's odd, but I love asphalt and concrete. And I joke with people, you know, they say, oh, asphalt smells funny. No, it smells like money. It's, it's awesome. I love <laughs> potholes. And, um, you know, my nickname is the Pothole Queen. And um, so I have the same feeling that many small business owners do, um, which is that I loved doing my thing and I hated doing accounting. And I was very happy as my business became more successful to turn all of those financial processes over to a very nice, very well-qualified woman in, who I hired and was a staff accountant. And I thought I was being very diligent. I looked at all the reports with her. I went over all of my um, finances, cash flow, everything with her regularly. I did what all of the gurus tell us, do what you're passionate about and delegate everything else. Well, it turns out I'm passionate about not losing all of my money, so I had to learn how to spend some time on that. And uh, so, you know, my it turned out that my accountant was busy forging checks and not paying taxes and committing credit card fraud and adding family members to company insurance and on and on and on. And I found out because she was stealing tax payments, and eventually that triggered an audit, which um, is what uh, allowed the embezzlement to be discovered. And um, she went to federal prison for 33 months. Uh, you know, it was a federal case. It was it was very serious. And, you know, I'm happy-go-lucky now, but, you know, my husband was afraid I was going to do myself an injury. I, I thought we were going to lose our home over this. And, again, Judith, I know that you and I kind of bonded over people don't have any idea what is required to get through um, a serious financial crime. Um, it isn't just, oh, I lost my money, that stinks. It is, you know, the emotional betrayal of dealing with someone that you liked and worked with who who stole from you. And, um, you know, I learned that, you know, when I started recovering and, and looking for, I, I felt like an idiot. I couldn't believe it was so simple that somebody could be forging my checks and, you know, producing fraudulent reports out of my accounting system. Turns out that's a piece of cake. And <clears throat> um, I, I, I started looking for books and things for small business owners to keep this from happening. I couldn't find anything. The things that I found were forensic accounting textbooks or things that dealt with, well, once, you're, once you have 10,000 people on your payroll, you should do this or that. Or they would talk about segregation of duty so that the person who gets the mail can't write the checks, who can't balance the checkbook and can't produce the invoices in it. And I would say... My accountant answers the phone and does all of those things. And if, and if things are slow, sometimes she cleans the bathroom. Talk to me. And I could find nothing. So I developed my own system, and that's the fraud point system. A fraud point is a weakness in your financial processes where fraud can easily 
happen and be covered up. And as I've gotten into this more, you know, part of the reason I know you and I have talked about, um, you, you know, about fraud and you'll find, you know, Judith, in your own experience, we're in totally different businesses. And yet many of the ways that people stole from us are very similar. And authors will find the same thing. And that is because fraud occurs in very similar ways. And I know that you're always on me about why I am, I don't write a blog and I'm sorry, but it's for me, it's because fraud is hard to produce new content about on an ongoing basis because so much of it is the same. And I have this somewhat unhealthy obsession with reading fraud cases now. And it's like, do I write a blog about this? Yep. Look at that. Another check forger. Who knew? It's very similar, and authors will find that a lot of the same um, methods are used to steal from authors as are used to steal from contractors or publishers or people who run bakeries or bicycle repair shops. Those principles are very consistent. So what your listeners need to do is start looking for their own broad points, and that involves thinking like a thief. All right. And with that said, Cheryl, we need to take a break. All right. So we're going to leave you hanging on that point. You got to start thinking like a thief. We'll be right back. is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author You Extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. AuthorU is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, AuthorU is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it's free. Discover Author You, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author You today at authoru.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book... If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. 
right, today we're talking about a topic that is a little dicey for a lot of people because, look, at, we don't want to think that people are thieves, but as our guest Cheryl Obermiller, the uh, author of Fraud Points, um, is that that's exactly the way we as authors need to be thinking. Who could steal your stuff? Like whether it's your words or money or fill in the blank. So Cheryl, I'm going to throw it back to you. Let's get into this. Well, you know what I would say to authors is, and of course you and I thought this was hysterical, even though it really isn't funny. It just, it seems very ironic. I have dealt with five separate incidents of my book being pirated and openly sold on Amazon. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. stole a fraud book. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Here it, I am. It, I'm laughing again. I'm. <laughs> I know. I, and it's like seriously. Could you remember the day I called you and said, Judith, I was looking. I, I looked at my the name of my book on Amazon to see to look at my reviews, and there's three separate versions of my book up. And you got right on and looked at it and said, these are identical. This is what I'm, I mean. I'm I'm looking at the blurb on the book, and you and I wrote this together. And I mean, it was obvious immediately that. And um, interestingly, two there were two separate. So it was sold in in um, print form and in ebook form. And in two of the cases, I think three of them, it was a direct PDF. So I'm not sure how somebody downloaded the PDF, but somebody got a PDF and was actually selling a clean copy, but. Two of them were photocopies of my hardcover book that were sideways and that you could, if you did the look inside the cover feature on Amazon, you could see, and this book is like 80,000 pages. How many words, how many pages are in this book? Some like poor little person earning 12 cents an hour obviously stood at a copier with an open copy of this book squashing it on to the copy machine, you know, scanning a photocopy. And they weren't even good photocopies. That That's what yeah, the kick is. And yet that was being sold. And we got them. It took a while. We got them taken down. I've dealt with it two more times. And even though we, after the very first round, yes, you have a copyright on your printed words, but at that point, I had to hire an attorney to send letters to book publishers and to file a formal copyright, not just the, yeah, uh, it's in the front of the book. My, it's, you know, I right. copyrighted it because I wrote no, it. No, everyone should file their book with the copyright office. And if you may not know it, we haven't done a show on this, but we will be doing it soon, is there is now a small claims, quote unquote, uh, court for copyright infringement. Um, and I believe which, you said that was federal, so it would not depend yes. on your state. Is that correct? Yes, it is a federal law now. It goes up to $25,000. And even with you win, you know, even if you succeed, and there is a, you know, a panel that arbitrates it, I think that that's fairly efficient uh, it, when things have been stolen. I've had a major publisher steal one of my books and keep selling it when I owned all the rights. 
um, that that you, you're dealing with huge amounts, copyright infringements. You could expect to spend 50 to 100K to try to go after to claim your stuff. So this is kind of shortcut. But if you win the judgment, you still now have to figure out how to collect it. So that's that's a different issue. But I want to add on to, you know, Cheryl did succeed in getting it taken down. She did have help. There's a couple of things you want to do. So I, I wanted to throw in here a tip here. That, so help. It's a help tip. What happens if your book has fallen into bad hands? And it does have and that's called piracy. Um, so that one of the things that you've got to do is you've got to notify uh, it, it, it's, it's always smart if you can figure it out. Here, here there's four steps I'm going to go through how to protect you and your book. It, it, one includes notifying the author or the freelancer or the publisher that your work has been infringed upon and you're protecting your copyright. Number two, you may want to, as Cheryl did, contact an intellectual property attorney if a significant uh, amount has been lifted. Three, if your work has not been registered with the copyright office, um, you need to get going on that and you got to deal with book privacy on that. Now I've done full blown piracy things. Uh, we've done a couple of podcasts directly on piracy in the past, but here's one of the things that you should do. I, there's a great website called IP watchdog, IP intellectual property, IP watchdog.com. Um, and you want to go to the search box and put in it take down, all one word, take down letter. The search will bubble up the sample letter. Take that letter and and do not alter it. The only altering you're going to do is put the, the name of your book um, and your ISBN. That's it. That's it. Do not ch try to be cutesy, change it, anything. Um, it's, it's a sample letter. It's for you to use. And don't change it. So you just sub in your title and any other related info and just use the notice as is. You the the clock starts ticking as soon as you send it to the group who's publishing it. They have uh, or the IP um, has 24 hours to remove all your material. All right. So that's important to understand. Okay, Cheryl, back to you. Well, I was just going to say also that. Um, if you find that on a book platform, now the only actual platform that I dealt with on this was Amazon, you you know, they have a good mechanism for reporting this, but one of the first things they will ask you is for a copy, a letter verifying your written copyright. So mm -hmm. you're even though I get it, you can put your copyright in the book and say, they're my words, I copyrighted them, it's presumed. You are not going to be able to legally act if you don't have a copyright letter that you, you know, that your copyright is filed and accepted. So don't skip that part. It's not expensive. If you're, you know, writing memoirs for your kids, you might not want to do that. But if you've spent a year writing a book and you have money and time and sweat in it, finish the last step and copyright it formally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because nobody it's will take it down if you can't do that. And I don't know what would happen if, you put it out there and someone else filed it, someone pirated and filed a copyright on it before you did. I don't know what you would have to do to get your rights back. Well, that's when you have to get the legal birds uh, involved with it. The other thing I'm going to say is that uh, another tip I will tell all of you, if you have not already done it, 
is make sure that your name and your full book title. Uh, I mean, Cheryl, they were using your exact book title. No, they were changing your book title, were they not? They were changing the book title. They didn't call it Fraud Point, but they were still using the Small Business Owner's Guide to Outwitting Embezzlers, Thieves, and Scallywags. So now when I go to Amazon and search, I don't just search Fraud Point. I search Embezzlers. And and just on a humorous note, I also search scallywags because it's not commonly used. And but mostly what I come up with are books about pirates and women wearing bustiers that are being ravaged on old sailing ships and it's oh, like dear. the scallywag <laughs> and the princess stuff. So, you know, there is that. But um, you know, it's an unusual word. And so that's why like once a month or so I get on and use that word to search. All right, so let me make another suggestion to help you in search. Go to, if you're not on Google Alerts, get on Google Alerts. If you're not using talk, like T-A-L-K, Walker, I want you to get registered on that. You do your name um, and put quote marks, it, like it would be, quote, Cheryl Obermiller, quote. All right, and so it's inclusive. Otherwise, she's going to get every Cheryl in the world that's in the news and every Obermiller that's in the news. You don't want to do that. All right, so put your title of your book in quotes and put, huge tip from Cheryl, put the um, subtitle in quotes as well. And if you have a weirdo weird like she has scallywags, I would go after that too. That means... You could have on a daily or weekly basis, you could be notified if anything is floating around um, out uh, in publicity wise that could be infringing on your stuff. That's my two bits for that part. Well, you know, if you have a lot, if you're looking on your book as a source of revenue, it is worth it to take a little bit of time to protect it. And, you know, this is just like a lot of other fraud strategies that you would use in a business. You have to step back. You think like a thief and you look at your business and say, you know, if anything, if your business contains anything of value, at some point, somebody's probably going to try to take it. So you have to sit back and proactively look and say, what do I have a value that someone might take and how might they do that? Because then setting up those strategies are pretty simple. Setting up, you know, making sure you have your copyright in place. Setting up an easy mechanism to monitor your name or, you know, your book title and some variations. Um, you know, just doing some of those simple things really make it a lot harder for people to commit fraud, make it easy for you to address, and make it easy for you to find. So, you know, don't be overwhelmed by, oh, my gosh, I have to do all of this stuff. Just what you have to do generally are take a few very simple steps, and that goes a long way towards protecting you. Mm-hmm. And and that's what you – so free, free resources, I just gave them to you. It's like with Google Alerts and TalkWalker, you have your own clipping service for legitimate stuff and possibly illegitimate stuff. So uh, I, I just wanted to throw that on the tail for all of you um, in that process. So Right. Uh, it, it makes it dicey. All right. So, Cheryl, we've got two minutes to our next break. Um, let's talk about some stuff that we can do there. 
Okay, so what, where do you want to go with that? What would you like? No, to no, no, you you've got some tips here. So let's let's just oh, kind sure. of continue. Yeah, your 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 bullets. So that fraud exists. Okay. Thinking like a thief. What other things can we do to think like a thief? Well, you know, I always tell business owners, and uh, and this applies uh, this applies to anyone who's in any business. The top three things you should all business owners should do every day are number one, get your own mail. You can't believe the kind of stuff that comes in your mail. You could get notice that um, somebody filed a copyright in your name. You could get notice that your taxes are unpaid. That's what my accountant was doing, was stealing the tax notices out of the mail because she wasn't paying the taxes. Um, you'll get credit card checks in there. You know, those convenience checks and your credit card statements are all sorts of things that, you know, you, you'll get notified that your book is being sold in a state totally different from yours somebody sold it and you don't have sales taxes paid so get your own mail all all right so uh, hold that one because we're gonna have to we're moving into our break right now we're going to come back with these three essential things This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, so Cheryl Obermiller, our guest and author of Fraud Points, a book I highly recommend to all of you, um, because we do need to protect ourselves Over half of you are going to be embezzled, conned, taken advantage of, lose uh, mega dollars, mega dollars. Now, Cheryl and I both went through a million dollar embezzlement. Um, I I don't see most of you going through the situations that we were both involved in. But, you know, a thousand dollars could be a huge amount of money to you if someone whittles it out of you, cons you out of it, scams it out of you, sucks it out of your checking account. So what we're doing is going through some of these things. Now, she was talking about there's three things that you should do 
uh, and make this part of your MO that you're, this is, this is what I'm going to do. So the first one is you get your own mail, you get your own mail and you open it before wherever it's going to go, goes, goes next. All right, Cheryl, what's number two? Well, I was just going to add on getting your own mail. I, I, I tell people, get your own mail every day for a single week, open it, look at every single piece and say, how could somebody use this to steal from me? And then everybody will say a big, oh, crap. And then you won't let people open your mail anymore. So yeah. can I say that on the air? I yes. hang out with construction yep, workers fine. all the time. So no, I'm trying to behave in a civilized manner. <laughs> um, all right. So number two is lock up your checks and credit cards. No one should be able to access your checks or your credit cards without going through you. And the third one is monitor your online account regularly. I would suggest your bank account daily, your credit card account at least weekly. And for authors, I would add to that, check out your book title at least once a week. You know, you can monitor on these services, but you can also, um, you know, do a little bit of, of homework yourself. Just look yourself up. Well, there's also those of you who use a service, whether it's, uh, I'm, I'm just going to throw out Amazon here. If you're on Amazon's KDP account, you can get in there and see what daily sales are that you have. And I, so if you have all of a sudden, a lot of people say, I bought your book, I bought your book. And you're saying, geez, I'm not showing any sales. Where are you buying this book? Um, some, something could be amiss. Now, sometimes people fudge and say, I bought your book, but that I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about serious yeah. buyers with that, um, in, in the process. So, all right. So essentials and what Cheryl says, checking your bank account. I, I actually would insist on you do that daily. A lot's happened, um, with everything going so online and that, Banks have where they used to have, uh, you know, you had so many days, you had a grace period from a statement being received to let them know if there's something to miss. It's not that way anymore. You're lucky to get three days to notify them if there is something not right. Just saying, everybody, be careful. And remember that with all of the electronic banking, people can take pictures of checks and remotely deposit them into accounts or use an ATM. No human eye is looking at these transactions the vast majority of the time. So the only person monitoring your account is you. You know, when I first started my business 30 years ago, they verified my check by using the signature card. The only thing your signature card will be used for now is in court to prove that the signatures on the checks were not yours. So mm -hmm. the person being proactive about verifying this information is the owner of the account. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I... Yeah. And I had a situation, Cheryl, where, uh, you know, when you're talking about your checks and who you send them to and the, uh, the, the written checks, someone apparently saw one of mine and they went and bought, uh, you can, you know, you can buy blank check stock at Office Depot and Staples and you can order it online. And they literally put in all the coding of our account. They had our name. They even put a phony logo in, like with books stacked on top of each other. Yeah. Um, and, oh, they were very good. I mean, you know, some of these thieves are very good 
And and when my bookkeeper, um, she says, Judith, you know, when did you write this check for $23? And or tw she said 2313. And I said, what a weird number. I don't remember writing a check for $23.13. And she says, no, 2313 oh, oh, Yeah. Um, and I was up in my bank, you know, verifying this is not my signature. In fact, they even had, they knew the series of, <clears throat> of our checks. That's why I knew someone, someone saw one of my checks. And um, the check number that they put on my check was still in our checkbook. Uh, and I took that to the bank and showed them that this is not ours um, and back up. And I even called the bank, this woman cashed the check through and I said, your client's a crook. <laughs> if, you know, if you go to a convenience store and write a check, all yeah. the clerk has to do is pull out the cell phone, take a picture, yeah. and then buy, you know, and then process your check legitimately, and they have everything they need to get on an online service, you know, Vistaprint, any kind of an online service, and have basically identical checks printed. Your routing number, your account number, your name, everything is on there. They know what check number you're on, and it'll cost them under 20 bucks to get hundreds of these checks printed. If you are not checking your account daily, they, you know, they could have 50 checks issued all over the city before mm -hmm. you even know there's a problem and get an overdraft notice. Yeah, okay. or or stopped. I mean, you you never know. So that's why we're saying you have got to take that as your... Uh, responsibility to do this frequently and I'm not telling you to do it every hour but for a check for a checking account I would check it daily for credit cards at, at least once a week um, moving and, with that and for authors they need to keep in mind if you are getting any kind of check or electronic payments and you have someone else that is um, helping process these things for you if they have the ability to receive a payment and also the ability to, for instance, delete an invoice out of your system, they can take a payment and delete the corresponding invoice. And when you go to look at your receivables, you won't even see you won't even see that there's a problem. Because the person who gets the mail and gets the check or somebody pays with a credit card, if they can delete, if they can uh, sidetrack the payment. And they can delete the corresponding invoice. You won't even see it when you look at your book. Keep in mind also that if you are engaging a, for instance, some kind of a, like a payroll equipbook service or something where they will file your quarterly returns and, you know, pay various taxes and things for you, that... Um, the, a lot of these service companies, not probably not QuickBooks, I'm sure they're insured, but the smaller ones are generally not even required by their states to be bonded. So they can, for instance, report your income to the state as being only $1,000 when it was really $10,000. So they give mm -hmm. you, they tell you, well, your income was $10,000, you owe X amount of taxes, you transfer that money to them. They tell the state, oh, their income was only $1,000. Here are the taxes, and they keep the difference in tax payments. And when you get audited and that gets caught, guess who still has to pay the taxes? You do. I, and you are you. It's your uh, what's your, your name is on the door. 
<laughs> so that yep. we're just going to say this, your name is on the door. And I've had that happen. I And I had a, uh, Cheryl, I've never told you the story about I had an accountant that uh, was responsible for, for regulatory bodies, turning in financial statements and all that. And she put us on, I can't remember. I think she had us on a cash and we were supposed to be on accrual for any outstanding. I can't remember which way it went because it's been so many decades, actually. But in effect, we ended up turning in fraudulent statements and I got penalized up the gazoo. Up the you gazoo. Can. And because, because uh, my and, name and was on the door. Fraud, if yes. you are like a doctor or a dentist, and the person in your front office is filing fraudulent insurance claims and taking money, particularly if it involves people on Medicaid or some government program. There, there are medical professionals who have gone to prison for that because those claims go out under their signature and they are deemed responsible, even though they didn't steal any of the money. They had a fiduciary duty to see to it that the claims that were going out were legitimate. So yes, you do have legal liability. And you know, some of your clients are not only authors, but they'll be operating their own small publishing company. If you're engaging an accountant who is playing fast and loose with commissions that should be going to authors, then you've opened up a whole new world of legal liability. So mm -hmm. you know I'm you I'm so glad I'm so glad you said that because I actually have published, you know, other authors and I, you know, I, we go through and we look at it, but I'm always the final, the final say of what goes out. I check that these are what they sold. These are the relatives they owed. They get a statement and it goes out um, because I know I have been defrauded from other publishers. I, I had, oh my God, I, I'm, I think I'm the poster child today. Um, I had one pub publisher stiff me in $84,000 in royalties. We finally figured out that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money and it can only happen generally if you're not staying on top of it. Now, somebody can stiff you for a large amount of money really fast. And you'll notice, but most people who are stealing know it isn't that you get $84,000 in a day. It's that you get $840 a month or $84 a mm -hmm. week. You're mm -hmm. less likely to notice that. And those frauds can go on indefinitely. And again, mm -hmm. it can leave you with legal liability to other people. And it can leave you with significant tax liability. Mm -hmm. And it is significant. So, so just... All of you, um, we're, we're, we're trying to save your bacon here. <laughs> you know, Judith, I, I will tell you that from statistically, now this is pre-COVID, but as for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, statistically, one out of every three small business failures is the direct result of employee theft. Now, what really makes me sick about that is everybody knows the statistics. What is it? What, you know, nine out of 10 businesses, new businesses fail in the first year. And then, you know, out of that, no, I think it's like only two or three out of 100 will survive 10 years. So, you know, the odds are not in your favor. What makes me sick is to see somebody who beat the odds, built a business, and then they had it stolen from them and were put out of business by mm -hmm. a thief. So, That's right. 
It's you know, right, that, that breaks my heart when I see it or, or things get lifted and taken away. And I know a lot of authors, and we're going to take our final break because I want Cheryl to come back and I'd like to talk about some other intellectual property. Like those of you who might be out speaking, have you thought about your slides? Have you thought about your handouts? Have you thought about those things that you go out and you think is harmless? Should you be giving them away? And, and we're going to kiss on that. We'll be right back. It's Author You, your guide to book publishing. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand and platform, and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The Book Shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book. A book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author. Your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Oh, this is Judith from me to all of you. And, you know, it's just not about getting you published. It's about protecting what you publish. It's about protecting your wisdom, your sage stories, your advice, your everything. And it's something that you need to think about 
from the get-go. I mean, both Cheryl Obermiller, my guest today and author of Fraud Points, um, is have gone through horrendous times. I've had others. I mean, I've shared a check embezzlement where someone stole, stole stuff. I did a reveal of how a, a, a publisher, a well-known New York publisher, stole 84000 I had another New York publisher publish in foreign countries. Foreign rights came in, a book um, I never gave permission to and I had taken rights back to. Um, that, that's theft. It, you're talking theft. So, Cheryl, what is theft and why don't so many people recognize that it's not a good thing? You know, I don't know. You know, Judith, there have been a lot of studies in past years about how much more common cheating has become in college. Mm -hmm. And um, people just don't view honesty in the same way. But do you know what's really interesting? When I, I was at a fraud conference several weeks ago, and one of the speakers was presenting some really fascinating information about how easy it is, and people frequently don't have a much of a moral problem. It's a lot easier to convince someone to, like, cook the books, to change things in accounting. It's, like, on the computer, electronic. It's not really perceived as fraud. But then when they did other, like, tests with these people about, like, physically taking $20 bills, they wouldn't do it because, you know, they're honest. So I think some of it is, Electronically, mm -hmm. it just doesn't quite seem as much like theft. I mean, people will will steal copyrighted material who would never break into your house and steal your television, but they just don't see theft of written words. Of, I, and I don't really know why that is, but it's I mean, it's clearly established that people would be much more, apparently from this, people would be more comfortable pirating a copy of your book than they would walking into your living room and picking up a hardback cover and sticking it in their purse. <laughs> I, I don't well, know. I, it, it's amazing. I was telling Cheryl during the break about a situation I was speaking at a gig because I want to come back to slides and handouts before we leave today to give you some input here. I was speaking at a gig in Washington, the state of Washington one time, and it was during the break time. It was actually an all-day workshop I was doing and talking to one of the participants. And out of the corner of my eye, I, I, I saw a, another participant who was with us all day approaching where I was, because I was standing very close to my computer, uh, but it was laid out with a table with all my support documents that I was using during the workshop. And in front of her was her hand, and within her hand was a flash drive. And she, it was, it was like, it was narrowing in, heading toward the little magic slot on the side of my computer to get a copy of all my slides. You know, and I, and I said, so what, you know, what can I help you? And she says, I just wanted to get a copy of your slides. And I said, you know what? You're not available. You're not, they're not available. And that's before people had all the mobile phones that they just took pictures of everything, Cheryl. Right. So let, let's and talk you, about you that. You have to ask yourself, do you think that woman would have walked up to your little station and picked up a physical notebook with photocopies of all the slides and just walked away with it? Well, that would have been sad. 
she and I'm just going to guess that she would have never done that because that would not be honest. But like somehow mm-hmm. electronically, it's like our moral compass goes all wonky, and I'm not sure why. But you know, the, let, let the professionals analyze that. I don't know. What we can say is it is a lot more likely to happen, and we have to just recognize that and see what we need to do to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and we do. Let the psychologists so figure out why. We just yeah. need to know what happens and see how we prevent it. Okay, so let's talk about intellectual property. You're speaking, or you've got your book, or you've created worksheets. Worksheets. And let's say you have them downloadable off of your website, and you're willing to let people have them on your website, but they have to, there's a string attached. They have to give you their name and email. It might be a way that you are doing, um, building your, your overall email list, or you may decide that, you know, they're so generic, you know, it's really no big deal, but which, whichever way you go, what should you do? So the first thing, if you are doing a presentation and you have slides that it's very common for a meeting planner or individuals within the audience to ask if they can have a copy. And here is my answer. The answer is no. The answer is no. It's it's my intellectual property. It's your intellectual property. Now, what I have often done when I've done presentations, I actually have two sets of slides. I have my master set, and they are identified in my computer in my huge handout folder as a master for whether it's the speech book, the crowdfunding book, fill in the bank. It's the master, but also I have then the meeting um, or or the, the the meeting slides, and I strip them down like crazy. I actually often strip off images. I'll strip off uh, words. It's kind of like a fill in the blank. And what they get as a handout, if the slides are used as a handout, is guess what? They have to go to work and do the fill in the blank. They got to do the work. And I always have on any, I've always given out on um, any any event I do, whether it's online or it's in person, I create a physical handout that they are told to download this before I begin speaking. Or if it's in person, it's on their chair, on the table. They all have it. On the bottom of it, in the footer area, it's copyright. It would be copyright 222, Dr. Judith Bryles, The Book Shepherd. I would have my phone number on it. I have my email on it. Um, it's it, it goes on every sheet of paper that goes out. For any quotes, I make a gazillion posters with quotes. They all have embedded in every poster I do that's put online. Every poster I do, I have embedded copyright year. I have my name. I have my website, you know, and, and if people share it, which I'm delighted to have them share, it goes, my embedded of my contact goes with that share. So I'm just saying, you got to be smart here. This is the business. We're going to go back to what Cheryl said in the very beginning. We are a business. Protect your stuff. All right, Cheryl, you want to add to that? Well, I, you know, I always make a joke and I, but I think that the sentiment is maybe good to end on here. I said, I tell people that before I was embezzled, I kept my check in the desk drawer and my guns in the gun safe. 
But now that I've lost a million dollars, I keep my checks in the gun safe and my gun in the desk drawer, and I sleep much better. <laughs> now, I say that for a laugh, and people, you know, it's, it's humorous. But the point is, learn to protect your assets. Learn to protect, you know, de- you know, learn to protect these, you know, your quotes, your work product. Properly copyright your book. And then, keeping in mind that you are a business person, make sure you have copyrights. Make sure you have control of your bank accounts. Make sure that you are monitoring the business end of your business. You know, I tell people who ask me, well, about fraud strategies, and I said, you have to treat your business like a million-dollar business from the get-go if that's what you want it to turn into. Mm -hmm. So protect your work product. Maybe you're the next. Mitchum or Grisham, and wouldn't it be a shame if that book came out under somebody else's name because you didn't file the copyright? Mm-hmm. So, everyone, make sure if you haven't filed your copyright, go do it. Um, and ideally, you always want to do it within 90 days of your publication. Why? Because if there is a full-blown plagiarism and you go after someone legally and you are successful in your pursuit, that uh, damages will be trebled. If you don't, but, but we're just saying, okay, most of you, we know we, you didn't do the formal filing and pay the $65 or whatever the copyright office is charging for the formal filing um, that so you don't get trouble damages. But it's, so it's reduced. But just understand that every little bit and that you could even, you know, if you want to be really bold, you could, I mean, I always use the, you know, the C with a circle around it for copyright. But if you really want to be bold, you could just even say that, you know, this material is protected by, you know, copyright and, and, and spell it out where there's nothing wrong with that, with that. Sorry. So, Cheryl, we've got like a minute left. Any last minute tidbit? You know, I, I one of the things I tell business owners who sometimes are uncomfortable checking up on people, if you have office staff or you have an accountant or maybe you have a co-author that you work with and you are trying to verify and make sure that things are on the up and up, people are Mm -hmm. sometimes uncomfortable with that. But I always tell them, you know what, a nosy boss is kryptonite to an embezzler. Look at everything. So never apologize for protecting your work. Never apologize for verifying that you have properly protected your work. Never verify for questioning anyone about how your work is being used and never apologize for telling people, no, this is your work product and um, that you reserve the right to use it yourself. And that's right. And with that, Cheryl Obermiller, author of Fraud Points, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. All right, everyone. Happy writing. <laughs> let's let's get yourself protected and covered um, with some of these tips that you've heard today. We'll see you next week.
thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bry.